Hi guys, welcome to Metamorpho with Deshawa and this is actually the third episode. And today I actually have um, three amazing men with me who are going to be joining on conversation, um, realities of the 21st century man. So the reason why I felt like we needed this conversation is because I feel like we're in an evolving world where, you know, things are changing. Um, women are beginning to find um, their identities, find themselves beyond motherhood or beyond marriage. And, you know, we are having CEOs now that are women and men are saying um, yes and amen to women in the offices and all of that. Things are literally changing. And I also know that um, men actually have to... Um, I've had to like develop productive ways or newer methods of adapting to the to the evolving things that they're experiencing. So I just want to be able to have conversations, see how what it feels like living in our generation in this world that we're in. And you know, I, as I am not a guy, I can't relate. So I, I felt like okay, maybe if I invite people, guys that can have discussion around this topic, around adapting to you know this generation the things that are going on and being a man in this generation without losing your identity so i actually have um i have george i have diola and i have ayotunde here with me they would introduce themselves and then we'll go right into the conversation so let me start with george all right my name is george akomas i'm a lecturer at coventry university i teach leadership and consulting also an executive uh and leadership coach it's nice to have you george um ayotunde yeah, my name is Ayo. Um, I'm a global category buyer. I work in procurement. Um, I'm married and uh, newly married and I live in the Netherlands. Uh, nice to have you, Diola. Yeah, my name is Diola. Um, I'm a brand manager. Uh, I manage brands uh, and develop brands every now and then. Uh, I'm married four years now. I've got a kid, one year, two months. And bouncing with no problem in the world. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I like it. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Okay, so let's just go right into the conversation. Okay, so um first things first. If you were if you were to describe yourself, like what how would you describe yourself? If I just tell you Diola, describe yourself. So Diola, I think I'm starting with you. <laughs> Can you just go ahead and describe who you are as a man, as a person? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I like to view myself as a, um, I mean, apart from the fact that first I'm a Christian, but I'm a very, re- I'm mm-hmm. very realistic Christian. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm very, I'm highly reality driven. I'm not, uh, maybe because of the way I grew up, I mean, I'm very much grounded in understanding, you know, uh, being a man, living in a world, and being a child of God. Mm. And, you know, those two parts mm. are not mixed together. It's not, I'm not your, or if you don't go to church today, that your Christianity is, is drawn <laughs> apart. Or is, you get what I mean? Or, you know, or you, I, I'm, I'm also a person that I can balance, you know, uh, uh, the ability to actually understand engaging with different kinds of people uh, are different mm. and, and not judgmental. So, which means that, okay. which means that I can have, if, if someone walks up to me, a lady, and she says that, oh, that, you know, she's a prostitute, I will have a conversation with the person mm-hmm. without even thinking about the fact that you're a prostitute. That is, that is, that's what I mean by being realistic. Understand the fact that we are first human beings before anything else. Yeah. Right? And then mm-hmm. other things that comes mm-hmm. 
with it. So I'm, my eyes are clearly open, you know, in understanding how I engage the world. And on the personal mm. notes, I like to live every day like my last because I go to bed empty. So I don't have any grudge in my head or I, I'm light when I'm going to bed. I'm totally light. And when I wake up in the next morning, I'm completely light. I just get into the day like it's, it's last. So and doing part-time every day. That is exactly what I want to be doing at that particular time without regrets. So I think that's... Wow. Yeah. That's that's wow 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 dear so literally literally what you're telling me is that you're living your best life that's what you just described (laughs) you're living your best life i think i think christ did too now (laughs) (laughs) nice 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 okay let's go to our yeah so i think for me it's also quite similar to a lot of things that uh has said and I think after about eight years living outside of Nigeria, it has come for me to realize and review um, what I call uh, Christianity and my work with God as a person. So I think I'm also in line with being very open and loving uh, Christian, uh, especially what has happened in the course of the last few years in terms of some of my friends in, in the confidence they've been able to build to tell me secrets and open up to things they they were not uh, keen to even share with their close family members. Uh, I think also as a person, um, what is very important to me also is my Africanness, and and I put it that way because (laughs) of all of the things going on in the world, is um, I never want to lose touch of who I am and my roots and where I come from. You know, I am that proud African boy in, in a very white mm. society and not trying to lose my, my, my roots. Uh, of course, I'm a professional in my workspace. Um, and I also agree with uh, Diola in the sense of being and living life like the future is now. Uh, mm. And for me, it's living life with no regrets. Um, and also one of the things that would describe me is uh, I speak up. And I'm, I'm, more, I'm doing that now more often to speak up for people who don't have a voice uh, and using my platform to ensure that, you know, those people can be heard and that, you know, whenever I leave this earth, I am remembered more for the legacy and for the people's lives I'm able to touch. Mm, that's amazing. Nice. Mm. Nice, mm-hmm. nice, nice, nice. Okay. Now, wow. The people <laughs> I brought here today, like, people I don't have what. Okay. All right, George, go on. Um, how many pages am I supposed to? <laughs> George, please, please. Okay, let me just add to it that okay, George has a PhD. So, George, please, nah. we're not looking for we're not looking for PhD stuff. Yet. I'm glad we're I'm, looking for stuff that I'm glad, I'm, a twenty-three year old boy can listen to and be blessed. The good thing you didn't start with him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, what they both said, right? All that, um in terms of uh, living the truth of the gospel, the Africanness, um, all that. Um, but I also want to emphasize that I'm really, really particular about truth. And mm. it's, it's a journey trying to understand, yeah. what the, uh, what, understand what truth is and how to live it. I'm still learning every day. Um, we are obsessed in this generation with being right instead of doing the yeah. right thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and and it's 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 it, they're two totally different things. So I don't want to be right. I want to know what the right thing to do is and mm. pursue that. Mm. And um, mm. that that is at the very center of who I am. That and love, because God is love. So mm. it's in a very practical, very practical way. It's it's it's. I'm, I'm sure we'll get to this a bit later. But when Jesus Christ says that. Some of them will come to me and say, we did miracles in your name. We raised the dead in your name. And I'll say, yeah. apart from me. It mm-hmm. means that if you haven't raised a dead person yet, you never reach the level of those who are going to hell. Mm-hmm. And you made it quite clear. Those who know the will of my Father in heaven and do it. So there are two things I, I want to pursue. Know God's will and do it. Okay, you mentioned something, um, George, about like um, not being right, but you know, following the truth. Yeah. So... Um, what what truth do you believe in like what exactly do you believe in are you do you follow the word or you follow the what exactly okay. let's put it in okay let's give you a bit more specific but when you, when you ask that you're asking you ask me for a thesis on what what is truth but um for me just christ is the truth so i'm the way the truth and the life and, and that okay. is what i want i want to know him the power of resurrection i want to know him and everything stands for it be like him that is Christ for me is not truth okay all right thank you for clearing that all right thank you guys okay so um the next question we have for you is can you describe the relationship you had with your dad and um would you say that the relationship has improved as you you know grow older would you and what are the things you would say that you you feel like you could have done better and the things that you feel like okay you see yourself literally doing almost the same thing now and you feel like okay maybe it's not such a bad thing after all like so what are the things that you feel that they could have done better what are things that you feel like you learned from them that were good stuff i'll start with jola um i mean i I lost my dad when i was seven but i I was quite um i was quite um as i grew older when i clocked 17 I mean, I was able to basically mm-hmm. rewind and reconnect with the images of, you know, when, when you are growing up, yeah. you think that your, your brain is not recording it, but it's actually recording it. You're recording your, yeah. your experiences. Mm-hmm. So you cast your mind back into the kind of man, very upstanding guy. Yeah, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you know he's, 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 he's crazy about success. He, he wants you to be the best at whatever you, whatever you actually do. I... I could see that I could see that man that you know would do anything for family. So for me, he was a family guy. He was a guy that would say that you know what, if if you have to go hungry, go hungry, but you must sacrifice yourself for your family, no matter what it takes. So is that is the spirit of that kind of person, and that's his drive for his intelligence. Is you know is is the kind of person that is also a very emotional person, but not over emotional is very practical actually i think it's more practical than emotional so that's also mm-hmm. has a way in which molded me into this person that is just look at things as it is and analyze as it is so that you know you're able to actually you know know what is logic or logical and what is not logical or what is emotional and what's not emotional so i think that um, mm-hmm. one thing i picked from him was the fact that he was a kind of man that fought for family no matter what it takes and actually fought for others those who don't have a voice 
I saw him. I grew mm-hmm. up to see a man who will look at people who are not educated and want to get them educated right from his pocket by mm-hmm. all means. So when he died, a lot of people today who are not educated was because he died, because he was no longer there to mm-hmm. be able to, you know, push them. And there was nobody else, you know, to do it for them. But we, we, are, we had, you know, a mom who also had that strength of a man who actually was able to push us to get to where we are today. But I think that I always imagine that if we were here today, he would be proud of what we have become because it would have been exactly what he imagined or what he would have actually done if we were to be alive. So I, I see that sense of family. I see that sense of drive for success. No, and more. Yeah, I think I think one thing that actually got me was the fact that you said your dad was emotional. Like that's almost very difficult to find in most African men, you know. So being able to hear a guy say that I knew that my dad was an emotional person is nice to even hear. Do, even even <laughs> though he tries to and hide then, it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I five to your mom for doing a great yeah. job, and I'm so sorry about your loss as well. Yeah, All right, thank you, George. Okay, yeah. Um. Funny, I actually wrote an article about about this on my blog. Um, lessons, what I learned about father from my father. So I'm going to <laughs> have to go there for expo. Um, <laughs> if I even say anything about that, um, what did he do right and wrong? My dad said something to me years ago when I tried to challenge him on something, and he said, "You can't judge me as a father. Hmm. Wait, wait till you become a father and just do better." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it meant a lot because um, <laughs> I just I just I just just got married, and it's a different ball game. You see things are totally differently now. You're married, <laughs> the way you're watching your parents uh, work through through there. But if there are three things, or three four things I learned from my dad. First of all, is faith. My dad is man of faith. He gave his life to Christ when he was 15, and I have watched him through the years live his faith. Um. One of the greatest testaments I've ever heard anyone give my dad was pointing out to somebody else. There's a conversation they were having that this man loses everything. It doesn't touch his faith. My dad doesn't place anything above the gospel. He doesn't care about anything in this world mm. above the gospel. And if I'm half the man of faith my father is, mm. I think my generation will be blessed. Greatly mm. blessed. Um, I learned that a father provides. It's not just about um, buying things or giving out goodies. He... Yeah. gets involved in what you're doing what do you need what support can i can i give you and at all costs i remember once uh when we're praying uh, morning prayers we're, we're praying for i think we're praying for money or something so i know he doesn't have he didn't have money so i was supposed to go back to uni that day or the, that 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 period so he calls me and says where's your list and i'm like i thought you didn't have money so so what <laughs> <laughs> what's your business about that are you the father now Get your list. And as usual, you'll always ask us, did you have everything you wanted? You say yes. And you always mention those a little, a little more. And then a father provides security that we could do anything. We could be anyone wanted to be. We could go out there and make mistakes. We're not afraid of making mistakes because we knew that he was always there for us, to back us up, to cheer us on. He's our biggest fan. And uh, mm. of course, being a good husband was part of it. Nice. 
that's actually like a very profound thing your dad said the statement you made about like you know be you become a dad and do better mm. like at the end of the day it's not really about like looking out for the faults of okay what they do right or what they do yeah. wrong but you finding maybe finding whatever you think that he could have done better and you becoming the next generation that does better mm. instead of like you know yeah. having the funny to thing is that when when you when you become a father you see things totally different from how you saw it when you weren't a That's father right. So it's really yeah. easy to, to sit back there and, and judge. Oh, you shouldn't have, you should have done this, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> to be carried the way he carried. And then, man, I think you have more, even if you do do better, you have a lot more respect for what it, what it, what it yeah. was. Yeah. 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 Profound. Thank you, George. All right, Ayatini. Yeah. So it's, it's actually nice listening to you guys because, you know, it's, um, it's quite interesting to see how we view our fathers and, also, of course, now becoming fathers, that's how you begin to see life. I think one thing that's also very interesting, uh, which I was listening to one of my friends' new podcast, was that, first of all, no one gets a manual for parenthood, right? No. Uh, and mm. so the truth about it is, even if we spoke about certain topics today, we all can have varied uh, views about specific topics, you know, how you should discipline yeah. children, what schools, blah, 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 and all of that. Yeah. So when I look back and I think about my dad, <laughs> he's a very special guy, I must say, really, really special guy. Um, I think he, he comes off as a very tough person, right? He comes off as a very, very tough person and probably not the guy with the, not the guy who's constantly smiling, but he, was a, he is a great guy. He's really a great person. And uh, when I say he's a great person is, you know, it's part of the things that were his values, you know, basically the things that were important to him. And for him, there were some things that were just non-negotiable. You know, for him, as a, as a, for his family, it was for him, he was a protector. Like, <laughs> you can be sure you can't mess with any of his, family, of his kids. Like, that was one thing which was very important, you know. Provider, yeah, I can tell you numerous occasions where, you know, I've, I've seen my dad go from a company's executive to the guy who was going to uh, a pig farm to... To bakery to pick up things. <laughs> no, but seriously, I same and, story, man. Same story, man. Same story. <laughs> you know, and 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 so for me, you know, one of the things I I learned from him in my early days was realizing that you know there is no there is there's dignity in labor, and it doesn't matter. The the no, major yeah. thing you need to do is to make sure that you are a provider for your family. Uh, and the protector, mm. and, he, and he always did that. But I think one of the real turning moments, my relationship with my father was when I moved uh, from, when I first moved to the Netherlands and then I moved to the UK, and I was living in Edinburgh. And I came home to Nigeria that Christmas, and I think I was just having a conversation with him, and we we're talking and everything. And I remember when I was leaving, my dad looked at me and said, you're not happy. And I was like, no, no, I'm good, you know. But, you know, actually, I probably, I'm not sure I've ever spoken to you about this, but I didn't realize I was depressed. But my father noticed. Yeah, I think you, you spoke about, like, when you moved and... Yeah. yeah, and I didn't realize I was depressed. But so my very tough father said to me when I was living at the airport, I'm going to call you every day to check up on you. And he did. Oh. And he was, like, literally, he would call me. And you know how expensive this to call Nigeria. It wasn't even WhatsApp. He would call me, and I'd be like, okay, I'll call you back and have those conversations, how was your day, and things like that. And for me, you know, I think about many of the things that happened 
throughout growing up, uh, being the only son, where it was a case of my mom, people would think you're an only son, you get spoiled by your mother. And my father was like, you're not going to get, you're not going to get spoiled in this household <laughs> and things like that. So, but I look back at it and I realized that the decisions and things my dad did in the past, when I look at them now, I'm like, yeah, those were the right things he needed to do for me and maybe for my siblings at that time, based on the information and the knowledge he had. Of course, he had his own excesses and things. No one is perfect. But yeah, to be honest, I, I think he's done a great job because you can tell at the end of the day how the children have turned out as also an example of how well the parents uh, uh, have done their own work. True. True. I can genuinely testify. Okay. I can genuinely testify to the fact that <laughs> if you were not able to you need to check twice before you visit their house. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the next question. Ricky, um, when was when was your first personal encounter with God? No, I'm not talking about the you were born into a Christian name, you know, deciding to church. When did you realize that? Oh my God! I think I love God. Like, when was that moment for you? I think I'm satisfied. <laughs> okay, let me see. I have to think. But to be honest, I always think like my encounter with Christ is in faces. To be honest, um, mm. I would say it's in faces because uh, I think the first real one would be when I was in Ijaniki, and I think I was in probably GS. I was in junior school for sure maybe GS3 or GS2, and I really went to church. I really went for all those fellowship things. I just thought, I beg, I beg. And I remember it was, and I think that moment, the, the, the defining thing for me was on Titan. It was funny. The thing I first agreed with, with, with God and with my uh, relationship with Christ was first with money. I think God knew how, how I took money so seriously. I was like, if I can convince this boy of money, and, you know, to be honest, I tell everyone today that the guy who explained Titan to me was an SS3 boy in Ijaniki, not any pastor anywhere in the world, right? And the simple mm. explanation he gave was simply a case of trust. Mm. And, it was, and that has been the, bench, uh, like the bedrock of virtually everything in my life, right? It's trusting God enough to say, you know what? I'm going to do this because I know you are much more, much more stronger, better, wiser, older than yeah. I can to do everything, you know. And, you know, that was a turning point. Of course, life went on. You know, there were a lot of back steps and all of that. And I think one other point again in my life, one decisive point was my, when, I, when I got my job with Heineken. And also at that time, and the reason why I'm, I'm choosing this point are this at the point where I think I was, I would use the word fathers away from God. And he was there mm. to show me that this boy, I've got plans for you, sir. Whether you, like whether you want it or not, I've got plans for you, you know. And I remember I was unqualified for the job. I was nonchalant about it. I remember my elder sister said, I will just do this in time. You just write this test. I was actually writing the interview the day I was moving from Dubai to Nigeria. And it was interesting how, you know, in the midst of all of it, even when I got the job, 
um, as the first procurement person for Heineken, it was really interesting that when a lot of people came on LinkedIn to ask me, oh, how did you get this job? I wish to say, <laughs> even to white people, I'm like, it's God, though. <laughs> because this boy does not have a master's degree. He does not speak multiple languages. Like, totally, I did not meet any of the requirements for the job. It's a, it's a very hard job to get. I know that for a second. <laughs> you know, so at the end of the day, so for me, my encounter with Christ is for me, it's a continuous thing. It's like a relationship where I feel like it's also like a marriage, right? Yeah. You know, you have the toasting stage. Sometimes in the relationship, the marriage, like things are not at its best. And then again, you're like, this love must not die. We have to continue and all of that. So for me, I, I feel like my encounter with Christ is not yet over. Like, I feel like it's still some days I look at it and I'm like, the things that I do, it was like two years ago, I made up to myself. I was traveling a lot. And I don't remember, something was saying to me, God told me, you need to serve. You need to serve me. And I said, but God, I'm always in one country. I'm always on this business trip. And I made, I remember the first two, three months, there were days I would fly back into the Netherlands and I would go straight from the airport, drop my bag at home and go to church. There were days where I would have gone partying on a Saturday night and I would have Red Bull in the shower and I would still go to church and serve. <laughs> You know, and for me, it's it's continuous. It's I never want to get to this point where I feel like, you know, I'm there with Christ. Like mm -hmm. it's it's for me a continuous improvement thing that I'm like God. However, you want to capture this, your son. You know, keep keep bringing me closer and closer, and let all those testimonies, those encounters, be endless. You know, so I think that's that's it for me. Yeah. So yeah. it's a commitment. And that's very profound. It is actually a commitment. Yeah. All right. Um. George. Um. Like, I think mine is in phases too, but um, can be can be broken down to three, four major stages, and then one more that's coming up. I think in the near future. The first time was at the age of seven. Mm. It was in church uh, in Canada. There was this club, um, called the Awana Club, and that's <laughs> when I heard uh, the gospel. And then um, I gave my life to Christ, April 1987. Well, um, what kind of club was that, George? <laughs> it's a church club. Okay. A, a church club. Not a book club. Not, not, not ooh-la-la-la kind of club. <laughs> 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 Let's go dancing. Uh, it, was, it was a church club. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where the journey, that's, that's where it actually started. So yeah. I started reading my Bible, getting into it. Of course, I skipped uh, um, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers, uh, most of the Psalms. <laughs> Yeah, but I read uh, most of the Old Testament and the New. Um, and then, of course, because I was born to a Christian family, it, it kind of went to autopilot after a while. Mm. Then the second phase was when I flunked my second semester, year three, in Futo. A six Fs and a D. Changed my life. Wow, that was record-breaking, bro. <laughs> yeah. Brother, man, it, it changed my life. <laughs> There's a book coming out on that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but but that that point I, I like because my life was planned up to that point. I I wanted to be married at twenty five, make my first million at twenty nine. Um, you know all that was planned out. But in one second, when I saw that result, my mm -hmm. world came crashing down. I'm like, basically, give God the finger. <laughs> Says you know what I, I I don't understand what this is about. I don't care what happened. You should have had my back. Mm -hmm. And then that and that was the point where I realized that. Maybe I'm a Christian because I was born to a Christian family. You know, I'm done with Christianity. I, I thought maybe I'll be a Buddhist since I um, 
it kind of suits my lifestyle. And then I started trying to find answers. And then I became a Christian again, but this time because it was the only answer. So um, I think it was the book by Josh McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, hmm. where he sent off to uh, prove that Jesus Christ was a hoax. And by the end, he, was, he didn't believe in God. He's an atheist before that. But after all that research, he gave life to Christ because there was, um, there was such unequivocal um, evidence that Jesus Christ was who he said he was. And the Bible at that point became real to me. And that's the next phase of my journey. The third phase was when my mom died. Mm. And I didn't understand why. Nobody was faith. We had faith. Um, nobody saw that coming. Even though it was stage four cancer, we believed it was going to survive. And at that point, I would hold on to the scripture with long life will I satisfy you and everything else I had been taught. But when she died, I went through six months of just was blurred. I was a zombie. And then I realized that a lot of stuff, 90% of what I know as a Christian was what was told me by somebody else. Mm. And that I wasn't promised long life. It wasn't a promise he made to me. It, it shook me to my very core. I started finding answers. That, when, that I found out Paul, um, I mean, the apostles died, but most of them died young. But when Paul says that um, I've run my race, I finished my mm. course, he wasn't old when he finished his course. Mm. He wasn't old. But it became clear to me that I won't die before I feel my destiny. And that was mm -hmm. a key thing. So that began the rest of the journey, trying to unlearn what I've been taught and trying to experience God personally, not just learn, but experience God personally. The phase I'm on now as a newly married man is the part where loving my wife like Christ loved the church and trying to come to a deeper understanding of what the love of Christ actually means by loving her. And hopefully when I become a father, experience that love too, like my father did with us. So I think it's five stages so far. Three I've experienced on the, on the fourth stage. And it, it's each of them is like you know, a different experience altogether. Mm. Literally, which is almost as if you are describing metamorphosis for us. So like how you move from there to there. What is what I see on five like I just I just drop in mini thesis. Okay, how to be how to be a caterpillar one on one. How to be a butterfly two or two. Okay, Jordan. What's after that one? <laughs> All right, that's so good. I'm just I'm just kidding, but that was great. All right, Diola. So it's so, it's so difficult to speak when Jordan spoken. So that's it, Anyway, I, I think that um, encounter and relationship with God has been <laughs> has been quite an interesting one because, I mean, it, it, I, I, you, you might probably want to say, oh yeah, I don't say I was born into it, but I was really born into it, you know, <laughs> literally born into it. I mean, growing up in Foursquare Gospel Church in Ife, like it was, so basically you, you we were literally trained speak in tongues at the youngest of age you know, you don't, <laughs> and this kind of thing i'm talking about you 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 graduate from just speaking in tongues to singing in tongues like you see your reverend <laughs> you see your reverend you see your reverend going what is this guy talking about like is a is a level of encounter with the holy spirit that you we got to know that 
grounded understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, and they are making you understand when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, how you are hearing it, and you are, you know, at that age, you are talking about, the Holy Spirit told me this when I woke up this morning. And he said, <laughs> you know, you know, you are, you are, and then I started to grow up, started to grow up, and um, of course, I had to grow up really fast, because, I mean, after the age of seven, I left home when I was 17, uh, and I mean, literally started living on my own, you know, and I mean, amazing friends different kinds of people lived in different kind of places but growing up really fast understanding and at different stages of my life i'd had to basically live out the life that i knew which is the life of christ and walking that mm-hmm. precepts but along the line i mean i managed i, I consulted for diageo for like five years and mm-hmm. i didn't take a piece of alcohol like then they, they laugh at me like dude like you cannot market this brand if you can't drink it or feel it. I'm like, guy, the kind of thing that drives me, I will market you yourself. But <laughs> you know, so like I don't need to drink it to to know how to you know. And then I stopped consulting with the agile and uh, then I started to, to like ah, this drink thing. Ah, why not? Let's give it a that because I, I got to this crossroad where I felt like I've lived and done everything right and you know mm. be the good boy come back pray kneel whatever mm. and you know and i'm like you know what pardon my friend screw it you know and mm. you know like you know why 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 does it have to be that way you know what happened and you know i mean i i got married and i'm like come on why, come, why did i ever get married like why why so early what happened you know i started asking those like this was bothering me because I, I lived in that space whereby I I understood I felt like I understood my relationship with God was it was personal and that's why I said I'm very real you cannot bamboozle me with the word of God you know there's a lot of pastors <laughs> all over the you can't really bamboozle me with the word of God when you are preaching the word I'm not the mm, wow kind of person I'm like I know yeah. the word because many churches today business class really you know, we've forgotten yeah. the fact that there's the word of God which actually enriches our spirits. So and mm-hmm. and that and that part of it really there are times I'm in church and I'm switched off because it's not the it's, you're not you're not you are not preaching the word. So motivational messages. Mm-hmm. Motivational messages. Yeah, so you're not really, really preaching. So sometimes I, I've come to a place whereby I've I, I, I just get into that personal space with God that there was a day I was in a, I, I mean, on a Thursday night, I went for a live band, you know, in this pub, you know, having drinks. Of course, there are also people around you. But in the middle of that place, I mean, it looks as if you are surrounded by sin, if you get what I mean. You are, you know, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you have ever gone to a club in Lagos, if you have to this club, if you have to say, you know, in Lagos, for you, you, in fact, it's getting because the world that we live around today is a world that is now more carefree than ever. You know, people yep. people don't want to wear clothes anymore. You know, there are malians yep. everywhere. You know, there yep. is, there is there, I mean, sex is 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 nothing. You, know, you you walk if you if you open your eyes very well on the streets of Lekki, people literally have, can be having sex on the road. It's that bad. So, you, but in that space. My spirit, kids will be like, 
I'm like this little light surrounded by darkness, but you are is there. And look, one of the things that I've been able to understand is the fact that there's no judgment anywhere. I don't whether you are I don't care. It doesn't matter. I can have a conversation with you. It doesn't really matter. But in that space, I was telling myself that, dude, what are you doing here? I didn't leave off. I stayed there. <laughs> that's, that, and that's why I say, if I want to be doing something, I am doing it and I'm in, and, and I'm in agreement with that this is what I am doing right now. But yeah. that, that yeah. question of, okay, why are you doing this? I mean, what do you intend to get out of it? There are certain conversations that are happening that, you know, it's sort of, maybe you are among your conversation, but you are, you are there. You are in the conversation, but there is another mm. you that is like that. You yeah. know <laughs> what? Really, really, what? What are you talking about? Like you. you so there is mm. th- there is that conflict of mm. who you really are. Because see, when you have been engraved in God, it doesn't go away so easily. You might right. always there. It doesn't. Right. It doesn't go away so easily. So. That encounter has always been there. That even if I mean, if you're if you're in the darkest of valleys, that light has never gone out. It's always there. And and I got to stage. I stopped going to church. Like I did go to church for like six months or there about. I didn't wake up for Sunday morning. I mean, I just just there were even some Saturdays that you club into Sunday. I'd be like, wow, guy, clap for yourself. You are already breaking some records. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and then I, I I began to, and most recently I began to this COVID period I began to look deep into myself because I I I questioned a lot of things. I questioned why I got married. I questioned, you know, do I even want to stay in the marriage? Do I want to do even get out of it? I, I mean, I got married to my friend, my G, on and on, on all levels. She's amazing, and then we actually almost even said, you know what? Let's forget this matter because I felt like. I wasn't ready, but I just got into it. I don't know how I got into it. People were just excited, and I'm like, okay, let me make them happy. And I went away, tried and did it. But I believe God had a purpose for me to have been married when I got married, because Mm -hmm. a lot could have gone wrong. Maybe I probably might not be alive, because you know. But he, he, he had. But don't get plenty, baby, mama. Now it's not. (laughs) Funny thing is that it's not even about. It's not even about because. If it was about that, I would have had that sense. Because, uh, you know... So you're saying, Diolase, you're telling us that you know how to protect yourself, right? Not okay, we are here. See, <laughs> protecting, yourself, protecting yourself has different levels. But you go there with babe, and babe will say, ah, guy, this thing that I'll be like, ah, no, no, no. I, I don't want to... You, there, there was, it wasn't so much about protecting your career. I cannot just uh, having one baby. Yeah, you know, don't worry, don't worry. Let's forget this matter. You know, Steps that you want to take and you change your mind in the middle, just right in the middle of it, because there's just mm. something that is holding you back. Yeah, and just like, dude, I have bigger plans for you. I've had two major fatal accidents in the last two years, right? Mm. And I walked out on scratch, and I and, and I keep questioning it again and again. And my spirit is telling me that, dude, I have plans for you, no matter how much you try to fight it. So I've come to, mm. I'm back at this place where I just like, you know what, God, do what you please, as you wish. I've gotten to take certain jobs 
I mean, from the Sterling to the AG or whatever, and like I get to the final stage, like that, where you don't need to convince anybody anymore. And I would pray, pray. I said, God, if you are not going to go with me, mm. I don't want to be there. Because Fire. I don't know what is best for me. You know what is best for me. So, right. so there are, you know, when you think you know what's best for yourself, and there's certain things. So I felt of stagnation for like three or four years. I didn't get a promotion. The opportunities that came my way, instead of me to take some of them, I didn't take it. And I'm like, why did I take this thing? Is there something wrong? A lot of things. Like, I will sometimes like, come around like, come, oh, what is even going on? I've not done anything extra since. Because I've done an amazing job uh, in South Africa, worked three years in consulting. I had a UK contract. I was working in Nigeria and I was earning in pounds. So I was well, all right. Like, you can I, I probably was earning that better than, you know, a, a master's degree guy in the UK. So, but when you go and change your money from pounds to naira, you are you are like bully, like ah, there's money. You know, I was helping the world. You can't pay school fees, you pay. But I realized that what is what exactly does God want to do in my life? Then I moved to Switzerland. And then this whole everything just started to unravel. And I'm like, why have I not moved forward career-wise in four years? What are you trying to tell me? But I'm not the kind of person that says, Oh, yeah, God is at fault of this. I'm like, you have your plans. I can feed myself. I can feed my family. I can help my extended family. I can help people around me. You are still providing. So there's something in it. Mm-hmm. So, but I guess that I'm in a new phase trying to rediscover. And, mm-hmm. but in a very, very, I'm open-minded trying to rediscover and get into that place of, of renewing God, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, understanding what his plan really are for my life mm. Be- because remember that mm. i i said i'm very realistic about things like this so i'm not pretentious about it if i won't i won't go mm. to church and say Allah, hallelujah when i'm not in that space i'll just mm. basically i'll just basically stay i was looking at instagram yesterday and i saw a post on, on the black page that says say prayer i didn't know where i started praying and I just literally started praying. And it came easily to me. So, which means that while I think that God leaves me or has left me, he never left. Mm-hmm. He's always mm-hmm. there. So, the moment you're able to just tap into it, you know, it, you know, it, it moves quite, quite, quite. Expensive. So, that's probably, that's, those are my, I don't know how many phases I've described now. I think if George's going to put this in phases... <laughs> <laughs> but you know there's something there's something profound i noticed in your in conversation Diola, which is the fact that i feel like most most um kids that grew up in like maybe really christianly families where you are brought up in church and all of that i think that almost all of you get to that point when it's like you are you're like questioning everything yeah and then you're wondering why why have I not been a bad guy all along? Yeah. Safe? Yeah, or why have I not been or the ones that are not questioning, okay, why am I not doing bad stuff? Are like questioning the Bible and questioning, okay, what does this really mean to me? Yeah. So mm. are we saying that there's there's this almost like a a short graph for Christian kids that is like it's almost as if they have to go through that phase where they have to question or go or backslide small before they not come back. I, I, I don't think it's so much about um, Christian kids. I mean, 
we both, I mean, a, a very, very, I mean, a good brother of mine, Dayo Babalala, who is a pastor in London mm-hmm. now. Dayo was mm-hmm. bad. Like, yeah, his, mm-hmm. his parents could have given him away. Literally. <laughs> you know, uh, just dash it to someone for 20 bucks. But, you know, Dayo was someone, so I think it's, it, it, it doesn't matter where you start from. This journey mm-hmm. with God, it doesn't matter where you start from. Whether you are starting from a Christian home or, or you know, Christian we are starting from a background that you know has no definition and just basically mm-hmm. started from today dial could dial could have like 10 girlfriends at a time you know he was yeah, you know it was a, and then but but Yola, do you know that that's actually it's almost as if those are the two patterns yeah is it that they come from if they're coming from is it that they start off bad yeah and it's almost as if the old church the, maybe if the father is a pastor yeah they are praying for them on the church yeah 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 i think we all get i think we all get to that point in our lives that's that's central point where mm-hmm. are, where we see good and evil when we see light and yeah. the Bible talks about I present to you life and death. Choose life that you may live. Right. Yeah. You know, so life and death will always face you. Light and darkness will be there. Though being good and being, being good, a good boy and a bad boy, that those options will be there. Some of us feel like I did experience this whole, you know, being bad. And you've, you've gone there, you've been there, and you're wondering, no reward. There's nothing there. It's just, it's just emptiness. My brother, it's just my brother emptiness, and you begin to wonder that wait a minute, I'm paying what am I looking for? But you know what? The devil is so so I don't I don't want to use the word I don't know what to use that if he has a way of painting emptiness in gold. Yep, that... the guy's a bullshit. The, <laughs> yeah. best, the best there is. <laughs> The best there is. He has been known for that. You know, Jesus. It, and, and then even, even those who have discovered that it is empty are unable to quickly come to the reality that it is empty because they, they still keep seeing that sense of this is gold now, but it's empty. Then the matrix. Hmm. And then the thing is that there's this, there's, see, there's something about the totality of the devil. There's a way he makes, he makes you feel like you are stuck. Yeah. Some of them, it's not even about the fact. It's not even the gold anymore. Hmm. It's the fact that you feel like you, you've been sold a lie. Mm. A lie that you literally lived in for maybe whatever number. And you feel like, I can't get out of this. Like, it doesn't make sense. What's the assurance on the other side? Do you understand? Yeah. And like the devil, like it says that the devil is always going through and through the end. Like, so it's always there. Trying to tell you that, oh, you want to come out. There's no need. Just enjoy this life. This is the best life, my brother. Just enjoy it. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I feel like, you know, aside even the way the devil um, obviously tempts people and makes things look grander and better, there's also that um, there's also that method that the devil uses, which is the subtlety of lies, of just making things so grand for you and you feeling like I can't get out, I can't stop, I can't I can't make this decision. Do you understand? Yeah, Everything. and the shame. I think it's a bit of cognitive dissonance where um, for uh, and denial where. It doesn't become real until we mm-hmm. say, oh, I made a mistake. And be- so you don't want to get to that point where you say, oh, I made a mistake. And, and so everybody's like, oh, you feel so ashamed of yourself. Wow, how could yeah. you do that? So we keep on, mm-hmm. keep on protecting that lie. Yeah. yeah. And living mm-hmm. in denial kind of thing. Uh, it's, uh, it's sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. 
All right, you guys are you guys are just throwing up church in this place. Okay. Hallelujah. Maybe just one comment from my side. Okay. Uh, yeah. It would be, um, and I think it's also maybe uh, Dela also something about the waiting room, um, mm-hmm. because also I am I will use the word I'm experiencing what I will call my waiting room, and mm-hmm. I think it's usually also when people are in their waiting room is when they are mostly um open to attacks vulnerable um, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and when i when i talk about waiting room it's basically either a big break or you're waiting for that partner or you're waiting <laughs> for a child or you know and that's where people you know double into multiple things oh. right and that's where the real um test of your unwavering faith in God is really put to test mm-hmm. where, you know, people now be like, ah, okay, God, you got me to this place. So in the first place, now am I going to start playing dirty politics? Am I going to yeah. lose myself, lose all of these for things to happen? And I think mm-hmm. that also is, is one of the, for me, one of the challenging moments in, in many people's lives uh, whereby, you know, sometimes even when I'm in those phases, I try to read, um, the story of Job to give myself strength and be like, ah, at least I have never taken everything from you. <laughs> you are waiting for something. Like, you know what I mean? Like for me, yeah. it's it's really the the story of Job is really a very important one because you know a lot of times, again, we're in that waiting room. We want that next thing. Yeah. Um, where we are is even someone's blessing. You know. But because that next thing we want is, hasn't come, it's delayed, you know, it seems like it's not going to happen, then we begin to lose faith in the same God that has brought you this far, far. you know? And, and, and for me, it's really, you know, it's a self, how that it's like self-motivating thing that like, you know, if I share a very short story, not to take a lot of time, it's like at work, right? I had prayed, so I have this, abusive, abusive one, abusive manager, who after two years of talking to my mentor, agrees that he's racist. And I know at a certain point, a lot of my colleagues were like, why don't you leave? And leaving was not just the easiest option, mm-hmm. because I could have. Um, but I also had in my mind that there was something that kept on saying to me that, I'm going to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Mm-hmm. That means you're not going to take your table and set it up somewhere else, right? Right here, in this same place, in this same land, you know, you'll be blessed. And those people that think that nothing is going to come out of you will be there to see it. And because yeah. that is the plans of God. He does not want to do his miracles in, in the hiding place. He does not, yeah, yeah, you know, he sets your eye up. And, you know, it, it, gets those, it gets to the point where you feel like, oh, the door has opened, and then the door opens and you realize, okay, this is another waiting room. You're not yet there yet, you know? And, and to be honest, it's every day sometimes you have to wake up and put yourself in this space where you're like, you know what? Um, God, I'm going to revere on your past glory, on your old testimonies. I'm going to remember those beautiful things that you've done, you know? Even those things that don't even seem like, like yeah. grace anymore for us, like, like waking up in the morning like surviving COVID, for example, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, and, and those things for me are like the, the driving force that makes me realize that, you know what? 
God's got me covered. Like, whatever happens, you know, it's like, you can imagine Job at that point where, you know, it was houses that were burning, children were dying, you know, everything was going one by one. And the guy was like, I just was not going to look me. The way. That's everything about <laughs> the Lord. You know, and, and at the end of the day, this guy was there trusting God all through. Uh, because that was his own waiting room. His own waiting room was a difficult one because it wasn't just waiting for a miracle. It was that he was losing things. But yeah, it's really important because he knew where he had come from to become who he was. And for me, I think that's always something very important to look back at, to look at where am I, where was I, who was I, to where, where God has brought me to. And he's not going to leave me you know, in the middle of the war and be like, you know what, you're on your own. I what you just said now is so is so as in I mean the your last statement is so deep and profound because it's one of the things that has got that's got me thinking in the last few days where you get to a place whereby you if you lose everything now, what then? You know <laughs> that fear of losing that fear of of you know, no, just not having it anymore, because it, it makes. I think it, it brings us to that place of understanding the fact that if we have God, if we can hold on to that root that created us as a branch, then we have nothing to fear. But exactly. but humanly, that sense of, I mean. I can't, I can't, if, if, if I lose my job today, what happens then? Well, I, I, as I was, when I was growing up, I, and one of the biggest words that I think God has given to me that I've held on to till today is that he said to me, he said, Diola, whatsoever you lay your hands upon shall prosper. Hmm. And honestly, I looked at the history of the promise. All you have to do is lay your hands on it. If you sell granite, it's a process. If you lay your hands on the project to work hmm. on, it will... Bro, let's do business now. Sir, <laughs> tomorrow, I they, tomorrow I they go, I they go meet one good seller in the, in the, in the, in the, in the market to start bringing goods from the, from the north and start to sell. Because I remember oh, that... I'm not, yes, so. my, I'm not laying my hands on enough things because the power to make wealth has actually been given to... We don't know what we are carrying around. So, uh, but, but don't get me started on that one, no. Don't get me started on that one. <laughs> so, so, so it gets me into that space of what exactly are we afraid of? Oh, ma'am. Ma- thank you. Uh, see, uh, for me, I don't anything. So I'm not afraid of losing anything. I don't own anything. I've I've let go of my life belongs to God. I don't own anything. So you can't take anything away from me. Now, God has everything. I dare take it away from him. So I just walk with him and trust that he will provide. I mean, Bible says that where your heart, where your treasure, that's where your heart is. I, I don't yeah. belong here. I mean, I'm looking forward to going home. I'm a pilgrim, just passing through hmm. and Living, living my best life each day, creating value each day. Like you said, we have God DNA. Do you know what it means to have God DNA? That when Christ, when God says, let's make man our own image, and 
of course, we know that it was Christ who was creator. He, all things were made by him. And then he breathed into man, which was us. He left himself in us. That, he left his imprint in us. That's why we have to be careful what we say. Because we have the ability to create worlds with our mouth and our words. Right. Mm. That's why man is the only creature that can create things and keep on evolving. It's the God DNA. So like you said, what am I afraid of? Let's keep thinking about you. Lay your hands on no goat, brother. Let's, let's make those. Let's make those. Let's go with Jacob in this place with those goats, man. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I'm moving on to the next question. All right. So next question is: um, Have you ever been angry with God? Because all of you are doing, you are dro- dropping stuff now, like you're the most. Rich. I think everyone. So I, I think want... everyone has been angry with God at different phases of their lives, for sure. Okay, so I want. I want a short, precise, how did you go through the phase and how did you come out of it? Yeah, maybe I can, I can go with this one. Um, okay. I think mine would be, um, I, I'm, I'm not sure of the year, maybe 2011 or 2012, but everything. Mm-hmm. So I used to be the guy who wrote goals about everything I wanted to achieve, right, uh, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year. And at the end mm-hmm. of that year, every single goal, I wrote down. It was relationship. Everything crashed. <laughs> Every single thing. And I remember that day, I think I was still seven in the bottom or something. I was just on the bed that day when I was breaking up or something. And then I was just like, I checked that journal and I realized everything had broken down. And one word just said to me, she be your writing plant. I'd be like, I see if <laughs> it's you, basically. And I was pissed. To be honest, I was just like, you know what? This God is... And then... One thing later on happened to me that made me realize it's not like it's wrong for you to write plans. But I think what is more important is understanding what God wants for you, you know, in a year or at a particular period and working according to that um, to mm-hmm. that plan. Because then you realize things will just work easily. So, and, 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 and for me, that, that, that was, I think that was one time when I was ang- the angriest at Christ. Like, I felt like every single thing I had held on to, I had walked for, mm. just came tumbling down. And I was just like, for Christ, this time mm. around, I'm even serving you well. So why, why now? Not even when I was in the world, <laughs> why now? You know, mm. for, uh, and, and that for me was a very, it was a new learning process for me to also see God in a different light. Mm. And the beautiful part about God is that he, I think that he even enjoys doing that kind of stuff. Like letting you know that in case they told you sweet gospel, where it's like everything will always be perfect and nice and sweet with me. Mm. Like let me just, just pay you small. Exactly. Let see. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what you got. <laughs> Something mm. like that. Okay, George. <laughs> yeah, well, two occasions. The first one was my six Fs and A D. And then I, I remember when I was. No, was I'm afraid you've not recovered from that success. No, I, no, I, I have. I, no, I have. I have. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I've been blessed by it. That's a funny thing. And that has been mm-hmm. that has, has blessed my life immensely. It changed my 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 mm-hmm. course in life and has given me purpose. So my world crashed, but it built me something bigger than I could ever imagine. Like, totally different. So I was walking away from what seeing the results. Right. I was walking away. Mm-hmm. I was so angry. I was talking to God as I was going. And we have this conversation. I'm like, why me? Why not? And I mentioned some people's names. Why didn't they fail? They cheat and they gamble and stuff like that. Why me? And then he was about, I heard him about to start saying, my grace is, I said, ah, hold it. Hold <laughs> it right there. I, that's why I had to give him the mental finger. I'm done. I'm going to be a bad boy from now on. Um, 
But that, and then when my mom died, and mm. I just didn't understand why a woman as amazing as she was had to go, where there are people who, I mean, we think should have died, all these leaders who we who are testing <laughs> people after our life. I'd knock anybody's name more. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only person who has no, that view. That's old, right there. So are you saying that? The last one. <laughs> <laughs> the of the leaders that are leaving me are so precious. Have you heard of kids? When, when, when God was telling kids, even if anybody should kill you, I will still be angry with that person uh, as well. So nobody will care. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm asking him to kill them, not, not me kill them. I'm saying that, this, <laughs> that by this, if you take this for home, people will rejoice. The Bible says that when the wicked parents uh, <laughs> will rejoice. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. All right. But that... Um, the way I came out of it is the same way he, he has um, brought me out of everything. And I don't think I'll ever fall into that position again. I'm not tempted in faith. But his love, he has this love consistently, just consistently hitting you with his love, consistently waiting for you to come back, hitting you with his love, hitting you with his love until it just overwhelms you and then you just break down and then find your way back home. I think I, I right. appreciate that when I fell in love, one of those times I fell in love and this girl was doing me a strong thing. And <laughs> I remember once I was so upset and so angry and then God dropped something in my spirit said, what this girl is doing to you is not one millionth of what you've done to me. Hmm. What? <laughs> and that was it. So ever since then, I've not been angry with God ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. Wow. <laughs> Dear boy. My was what? I mean, it's, <laughs> there was this there was this major 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 job role that you know you know i mean i done everything right if you say done everything right i was you know when they say you know write the what's it called now so if you want to get into a, a higher role in, in my in, in my line of work you write a motivation mm-hmm. that motivation is written is sent to hr to the ceo he signs for it, and then you do interviews. Now, to the top of the top of the top, Vice President Marketing was recommending, dude, you are taking this role. Direct was recommending, <laughs> you are taking this role. And, you know, and even the head of my unit was like, man, dude, you've, you've worked and deserved. You know, when you say that, you know, you've deserved this. Just in fact, mm-hmm. I had the, uh, the head of my unit was named because in my car where I think we just finished the shoot. We were riding to somewhere to go and eat. I was like, oh, yeah. I've called, you know, HR. I don't even know why we even want to do the interview. I think she just give it straight and move on. Like, this is next level. This is what I... You know, you know it, it gets to a space where you feel like, this should, be, this should be me. This is... So everything was set. I mean, written the first motivation, the CEO moved on, wrote another one, to the, for the next CEO to sign, who finally signed it. And a day to the interview, the vice president of marketing was fired. The director of brands was fired. <laughs> what? I, I love God. <laughs> two of them were fired, back to back. And the director of business intelligence. I mean, and the, the other guy that was even... That, that was, we were in the same level that, was, that also applied for the role. I mean, this guy, he, I mean, it wasn't like maybe he was he himself, even with that man, I can't get this in, but he just said, let's be sharp, apply, whatever it is. So, 
<laughs> as this so the, we we had the interview and then there was this guy that was now promoted to become the director of marketing who i, I personally think <laughs> who i personally think that was not so much of a fan of those guys that were asked to go but mm. knew that those guys had a thing for me like you know and i'm like and i'm like see whether i worked with you or i worked with those guys you would have liked me anyway because there's a way i work that i would have delivered for you but there are certain conversations that you will not be there when when it's been had and we did interview after the after the interview the main interview all the interviewers recommended me this guy did not respond to this or did this kind of this interview this the the role thing for like he didn't come back with a solution for like two weeks. What? They said he was thinking and thinking and thinking about it. After two weeks, he decided to give the other guy. That guy will be thanking God. <laughs> <laughs> that, that guy was, he was, he was in shock. He was like, me, the Shogun, Because he, even the HR person that he was, that he was sent to, like, they said they asked him, like, are you sure? Like, really? Yeah, he gave, he gave someone as bro. When I when I got that email from HR that uh, you know that stupid unfortunately, email. <laughs> you know I read the thing, my hands were shaking. I went to the head of my department. I was like, guys, see what the email I got. I was like, ah no, what was all this? I know power was already shifting within the within the office space. A lot of powers, everybody was trying. You know, so I was like, I didn't even care anymore. I just went to. Uh, there's uh, my office used to be at Oriental. I just went to. I just bought uh, goat meat pepper soup and anything. Brave man! <laughs> I bought goat pepper soup and anything. I drank it. I ate the whatever, and I was looking into the sky and I started thinking that God, what exactly? I don't understand. I was angry. I was empty. I was sad. I mean, you. I was my I was boiling in my spirit. Because you know, I, I felt like why? So for a week, like the this new director guy, I didn't say what to him. He didn't say what to me that so there was no ah, so after he now saw me on the walkway, like the second week. I'm like, oh Toby, hi, how are you doing? I'm like, oh I'm great. Or like, oh see me see me tomorrow morning and all that. Uh, what I didn't go. As in, like I didn't show, I didn't I didn't even bother, I didn't go to his office. The upper week again, then saw me. He was like, "But I told you to come to my office. Why didn't you come?" I'm like, "Oh, sorry. I mean, I, I thought you were busy. I'll come the next day." So I came. I sat down in front of him, and we were talking. And he started talking, and I'm like, "And it was like, Toby. I mean, why are you not saying anything?" I'm like, "Do you want me to be honest? This is the director." I'm like, I looked at his face. I'm like, "Do you really want me to talk? Do you want me to be honest with you?" So like, "Oh, Toby. I mean, break it down. Let's let's have a conversation." I said, "Are you sure?" He said, "Yes." I said, "With all due respect." you had no data points to make the decision you made for my career. The guy was... Wow. <laughs> the guy was... <laughs> the guy was... He was like, what are you talking about? I said, dude, do you know the different things that are done at different levels? I said, the painful part was the fact that there was another unit that wanted me to join their unit and take this higher role. Those dudes that were fired made me not to take that role because they wanted me to keep working with them. Look, so, dude, I lost on both ends. But, dude, like, what's your reason? I was livid. 
the, the entire business started coming to me and saying, I have to be what happened. I have to be what happened. I think we should just leave. People started looking for you know, job opportunities for me to, to get out. Like, in, I, I know when you, when you are angry, you need to be. But when he said he wanted me to open my eye, clear the guy. And when we were done, he realized the fact that, okay, there is something here. But he, he said something about the fact that there will be other opportunities. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. That, that, it, it doesn't even matter. But that is you, me dealing with it from a physical space. Mm. Now I have to then enter into God. What exactly freaking happened? If you will permit me, sir. Like, what <laughs> happened? But as, because I didn't get that answer quickly. But as I, because this other guy too, because I'm a child of God, I can't hate the guy now. Like, it's not fair. Like, but it was hard. Mm. It, was, it was hard. And you no, know, the dude too, sometimes. It can be very, very funny, but but I had to just adapt and work with him. He will start sending me some funny emails. You know, when when your colleague when something becomes your your boss, quote unquote, whether deserved or undeserved, it didn't matter. But I'm like, God, what exactly? How do I deal with this? What happened? And it made me realize something. He said, "There's one prayer that you've always prayed that if I would not go with you." Mm. So, there's no point. So he knows what is. Be- I I, this is, I don't know if this is the story of Mordecai and Esther, where they were the, the king was trying to choose a a bride, yep. or whatever it is, right? Yep. And all the who were using this and using, uh, you know, braiding their hair and and Esther went to the guy who has known the king for more than twenty something years, and asked for insights. What does the king like? And on the basis of that knowledge, he, she knew what to do. So she didn't have to do extra. So the king sought after her because she just knew the key. So I understand that many times we are blinded by our ambition, physical ambition, forgetting mm. the fact that there is something much more. In, mm. the last, in the last two days or three days, I did an interview for that other role that I could have taken two years ago. And you know what? That same director is still the one in the on, on the chair <laughs> that is going to make the final decision. <laughs> same same guy. I've, I interviewed with him like what so last week Monday. Very far. <laughs> yeah, I interviewed with him last week Monday, and you know we had a clear conversation. He, he, he's always said it was like, dude, I know I know you're a great guy, and I know that you know there's a lot that you can offer. I'm like, I, I'm not chasing him, I'm not kissing his butt, but I've come to a place whereby. I decided to just rest in God. So right. I was angry that I didn't get what I wanted, but what I wanted might have been dangerous for me. True. It's not even a might. Will have been dangerous for me because I'm, I'm never going to know, you know, what, mm-hmm. could, have, what could have happened. And it, it made me realize that, you know, the, God himself chooses to order our steps. Whether mm. we like it or not, we're as, his children. As, as long as we are, as we are his children, he knows mm. what is best for us. So I've mm. come to experience that whether I have grown in, grown up, I've flown up in two years, or uh, let me shock you. This new role that I interviewed for, the head of the unit, the head of the department, as who has been pushing my agenda, saying, "Man, this is the guy I want. This is the guy I want." Guess what? She was let go. Yeah. She, was, she was let go 
a week to the interview. Devil is a liar. Devil is a liar. No, no, no. I, as in, I believe that what God was trying to say to me is that if I am going to bless you, it would be it would not be because of any man. Ah, I've been there, brother. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It, you know, it's not it's not a man would not take my glory. You see, and I've looked at the history of my life. No man can be man to say that. Oh, it is because of me mm. that. I, I, I no that that has not been the way my story has been designed, and mm. so so if if he wants to do it, and now today, I mean I am at peace about this role about this interview. That in, in fact I, I didn't want to do the interview because I, I was even scared of the next level. That will I be able to do the job without thinking? I'm moving to a new level. That I even told my wife like, man, uh, this role is I'm afraid of it, but I kept seeing things that see. Is it's a good thing that you are afraid of it because it, it gets you to a place where you have to depend on God mm. to sort you out in that space. So you mm. know that it's not because you were qualified or you were the best or you were. I mean, I heard about that two days ago when you got that job at Enik, and I'm like, how? Because guy, I applied to Enik like I can't even count that many times. <laughs> so that's why I got, I got to realize that it's not going to be any man. You won't be able to explain it to a, to a man that oh, is this man. That made me who I am because then what is the role of God? So I got angry about it with God, but He made me understand it. And for me, my hands are up. Sorry, my story was long, but that's it. <laughs> okay. okay, so we're moving on to something less serious. You guys are even making me feel like I'm never a church girl again. <laughs> so <laughs> let's move on to something less serious. I'm taking you to sex now. So, um, next question is, like, at what age did you become aware of sex? Me, I can say, so, I think for me, it was, obviously, I, I won't say, I can't pinpoint a particular age, but I knew from mm-hmm. when I was in, I think I became aware when I got into secondary school. Um, mm. because also at that age, my mom always made that joke of don't touch any woman, any woman you touch, she's going to get pregnant. <laughs> that was a slogan, like don't touch basically. And I think that fear was in my head up until I got to senior school. And I will say an, a very embarrassing story where we went out with girlfriends. We left, we were in boarding school. We left. And I went back with my girlfriend and I did not even touch her. And all the other boys were doing things with their girlfriend. I mean, I was just there like this. Like, I was in my head. What was thinking in my mother's mind? What was thinking in my head? Like, <laughs> if you touch the dame, oh my, do you need straight away? <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, it would, I would say it was secondary school. Yeah, I was aware of, of things, but I never dabbled or, or, you know, did anything. I think the the first kiss would have been when I was in senior secondary school, and yeah, that was that was basically it. Okay, thank you, George. Do you want to go for it? <laughs> I was just so. His first kiss, I think, my first kiss when I was five or six. Mm. That's that's that's. I mean, um, I think that was the same age. I I think I became aware. Wow. The moment, I when I moved back to Nigeria, I went around telling people I had sex with. A friend of a friend of a family friend of ours who was about seven. I was seven, both about seven years of age then. Wow. Um, 
yeah, of course I hadn't. Um, but again, watching all those movies, you, you shouldn't have been watching as kids, um, creating an awareness of something called sex. So mm. if it's that awareness you want to know about, yep, that, that's the age, seven. Okay, seven. Um, Diola? Uh, I think it was probably around, I mean, secondary school, really, you know, uh, just... just the youngest. No, no, no. You're the youngest, no. You're the youngest. Eh? <laughs> I'm the youngest. No, it's not that asking if he's the youngest, and I'm, I'm letting him know I, I, that. Yes, I'm, just, you know. Just, I'm saying I'm, I was seven. Sure. He, he had the PhD in this thing since. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I think, you know, I, I think the idea of it, you know, secondary school, you know, just, mm-hmm. and if you go to, if you went to boarding house, you know, mixed schools, there's always that sense of awareness about yourself, about your body. You know, just getting to realize, you know, there is something about this out there, but you are not exactly bold enough to go all the way. Although there were some that were like, I don't know where they grew up, but they were like pretty <laughs> sure, <laughs> quite sure that, you know, yeah, you know, and then, but I think that uh, our, our, our time, I mean, technology was not exactly what it is today. So it was just very, very, everything was quite very mainstream very traditional so to say so but for me i think it was around that period but i really didn't pay a lot of attention to it for a very long time really for a very long time okay. i mean pets okay. of being a good boy so the next question i have was um i have with me is um around premarital sex did you, I, apparently, all of you are married. Mm. So did you guys have to, did you experience having to wait before marriage? And if you did, what was the experience like? Were you actually faithful to that choice of waiting? Hold on. Were we faithful to, with, with who, generally speaking, or with when no, we got no, married? No, no, no. Specifically, as regards to the people you're married with. Okay, like yeah, yeah. Before okay. you got married, was there a decision? Maybe okay, we're not going to be having sex or something. That's if you want to share. And then, did you <laughs> stay? Did you stay faithful to that? Who, who's asking first? No, go <laughs> ahead. Like you, you want to answer the question? Don't be, let me just say, judge. Okay, judge section now. <laughs> um, okay, um, short answer is yes, but that was really easy because. I met my wife uh, in December, but probably we were married. So there wasn't a long wait. And of course, we, we ag- agreed on that. It, it, in fact, I remember when we were, the first night we spent together in a hotel, she was going for a separate room. I told her there was no need to, that I had no intention whatsoever mm. of, of doing that. Um, because she wanted to wait till her wedding night. So yeah, I was going to honor that mm. but um okay I'll, let me stop there uh, <laughs> no, no, what are you going to say it's it's funny that um even before her mm-hmm. anyone i was serious with who i wanted to get married to mm-hmm. it, it was a standard rule that's not happening mm. and people ask oh but then how about the other people and I made it clear that if for any reason that happens between me and someone, we can't get married because from the very from the from the jump off, you know who I am, what I stand for. And if my flesh is weak and you and you encourage me along the path of sinning, 
I don't see a future for us. So people think it's a bit hypocritical. But and you, maybe, you feel like you deserve the future, right? If you yes, really <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, you, I mean, you know who I am, what I stand for, right? And I don't, and I, I mean, I, be, I don't believe, in, I don't believe in marital sex. Um, and if for any reason we slip down that road and fall into sin, you should, you should support me. Say no, George, we can't do this. We're Christians. Mm-hmm. But if uh, you encourage me along and like, let's let's go, and it happened, I'm like ah, tomorrow one one bigger trials come. How will we stand together? So. Mm-hmm. I, I I struggle with that. So I make it quite clear that anybody else I was serious with, anybody I wanted to marry and a couple of them that didn't work out, that mm-hmm. sex was on the table. Okay. So you you had made that decision for yourself before anybody yeah. came along. Yes. Okay, great. Um last how about you? Well, for me, I think I mean, I think we had that conversation. Um and I mean, I think uh it wasn't something that was very much of a big deal for me. I mean yeah, we kissed, but sex, no. So it wasn't something that was... Um, I didn't actually have to struggle with it, uh, you know, at, 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 that, at that stage, really. Because, you know, I was still... There was still that sense of, yeah, we can wait. I think we met, what? We met in November. I think we got married a year after or something. But How I know. How I... Was yours a personal decision or was yours... Just so, like okay, I'm just moving along with what the person, so, other person wanted. So for me, I I don't think it was a it wasn't something that I really really committed to. What was there the attraction? The attraction was there. Where there were times whereby you really really want to, you know, when you hold each other or whatever. But there was mm. just that ability to just basically hold, just stay back and hold back, and just you know let things be because I just always sense that you know what's the hurry really. So it wasn't a. It wasn't something that I was, you know, actively saying, okay, yeah, you know, if I do this, you know, it's not going to. It wasn't some. It wasn't a big deal for me. It wasn't okay. really a big deal. For, I mean, if 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 we probably had sex or whatever, so my marriage wasn't something that I was. Um, I I wasn't so much of about the the rules really, because mm. for me, I I think that. Uh, irrespective of where you are coming from or where you've been, you know there is there is there is that grace to to stand even when you are falling again, mm. right? Mm. So that that's probably where I stood, and it really it really wasn't something that I paid a lot of attention to. Okay, I want to hold you on that phrase. So yeah. are you saying that we may continue saying that? Um, by the reality that that's my bound. That's probably one of the most controversial uh, scriptures <laughs> today, you know. Um, but you, we, we cannot, we cannot. The fact is that you cannot quantify the grace of God. No mm. matter, no matter how, and that is what the devil has used to tie a lot of people who, who, who really, really want to come back. Diola, so that this doesn't really turn very long, let me just ask you a specific question. Yeah. Do you are you saying that um it is okay for people to have premarital sex because there's enough grace to cover it? Is that no, what you're saying? No, 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 no. That's not what I said. <laughs> no, so I I need you to just put it in one sentence because we you know we need to. There, move. there is no, there is no, there's nothing like that. No, is I'm not. It's not okay to have premarital sex. However, if you fall if into you it, it's not the end of the <laughs> world. Grace to save you. 
it's okay. not no, so it's, not, saying, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Okay. So basically, you're saying if you fall, it's okay for you to get Many up. Many of and... the pastors that you see on that pulpit at prayer sessions with their wife before they get ah. married. Ah, Baba, okay. is your. I do like. See, <laughs> okay. see, let me wait. You see, you see, you see, you see, you see. In just one minute, what I'm and this and this is what, the reality of this is the fact that we treat we cannot you cannot look at a man of God and believe that is is not fallible. He is fallible. Of course, he is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that's the part <laughs> I'm trying to make. So I'm just trying to say that those th- they might not tell you, but it could have happened. Oh sure, of course, uh-huh. John, so, of course. No, uh-huh. the thing that I want I want you to be clear on, like for people that are listening it's to you, is okay. where do you it's stand? Not okay. I mean, okay. don't don't do premarital sex. Stay, stay, stay. Be, be like God. Be like God. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't so, want that to happen. Yeah, like I people think... that like to use their chest to eat their chest, so Jola. So don't be moved. Use your chest to send to you. I have. I'm not now. <laughs> So oh, yeah. I think I think for me it's um I'm a bit similar like George. Well, but when when I met my wife, I was I was in the world, so I was uh, yeah, things were happening, and and then I met her, and then she made it very clear from day one that you know this is the promise I've had with God, and I don't want to do this till I get married. And I was like, okay, fine, uh, but. I think it was also, I think with her, for, for me, it was, it was God's will bringing me back to be mm-hmm. like, you know what, you've got this, you can do this. And uh, I would say the journey wasn't easy, but yeah, we went through it. It was almost three years living in different countries. And you can imagine what it's like when we finally get to meet those yeah. days, those weeks. And it's like, <laughs> you so know, my brother. <laughs> yeah, seriously, and 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 to be honest, um, even there were days where I had to be the one that was strong for us. Like it, it wasn't the case that it was, and and I think that's where it's also very important. And I also kind of agree with you where you said, okay, you know, you also try to find someone that, for me, it was both ways. It's not like I don't think that the woman has to be the only one who yeah. has to be strong. Uh, because there were times I had to be the one to be like, babes, no, we're not doing this. Like, no, 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 no we're, we're definitely not doing this. This is what you said. I think you told me God said, you know, you had this agreement with God. If I do it, it's you. Is he going to come after us? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, no. The way I see it is this, right? My mm. view is as much as possible, mm-hmm. try not to do it. Mm-hmm. And don't do it simply because you can't. One, you want to confirm or you check or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. If if you fail, mm. or if because like I said, no one's without sin. We've seen yeah. every other day or whatever. But that again, let's not go and talk about the grace may abound again. But you know, it's it happens that it just happens. But I would advice it is is strongly no because especially for women, it lets you know who the real guy is. If you put okay. that rule there and be like, I'm not gonna have sex with you until I get married with you. If the guy is after you, you in person, then that's not a big deal. That's not a barrier. And that makes it very easy for any woman to trash out the, the weeds from the real deal, you know? So, and, and, and for me as a guy, for me, it was just like a wake-up call again to God saying, okay, I think you've had enough. It's time for you to get back and get back on your feet and get back to me and clean with me. And yeah, 
And okay. so for me, you, you see, my, you see, you see, Ayo, 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 you've had enough. Ah, enough. That's not. That's not what I mean. Wait, wait, wait. Can I, can I add something? Right, I want to clarify something. It got to a point where, in this walk and stuff, where mm-hmm. I stopped seeing things like black and white per se. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we we are caught up with rules and regulation. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I like mm-hmm. to think that before you become the the uh, voice of God, yeah, be the heart of God. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason why God gave commandment and for our own benefits. That mm-hmm. the issue with uh, parental sex is that you can't be sharing yourself around with everyone. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as much as we break soul ties, I've never released anywhere in scripture where it says soul ties can be broken. Paul says, Why be joined with social person? Um, yeah. exact, um, and that when you're married, um, it's till death, right? So if you sleep with mm-hmm. this person now, I want to, I want to marry you, and you sleep with this person. And then you don't mind that person, go somewhere else. You're showing yourself around. But if it's the person you're getting married to, that's the key thing. So marriage is a safe, is a, is a safe haven for us to enjoy um, this beautiful thing God has made called sex. So if it's a person, I'm, 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 by all intents and purposes, it's a done deal. It's me and you. It's unbreakable. I'm, for me, I, I, I may not see that as sin. It's good to be careful. But if you say that, yes, be sure this is a person you're getting married to, then I understand that. It's still premarital You are dealing, dealing this thing that you're talking about. It's still premarital sex. Me, I, okay. exactly, me, I want to be clear of this thing. Because me. now, John, what you are saying, what I'm hearing you say, is that, mm. okay, so if it is that, the fact that you're going to get married, sure that you're getting married to this person, then there's, it's, not, it's no longer a sin. That's what you're saying now. Um, you know, you know, you know, what, 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 um, which was what, which was the point I was trying to make because mm-hmm. we get into this sin consciousness yes. space where mm-hmm. you didn't have a marital sex, but you cheated your neighbor. You've committed. Mm-hmm. The point I'm trying to make to you is the fact that it's not about the fact that premarital sex is wrong. Scripturally, you should not. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. there, there are also so it's not it's not this sin is not just one exclusive sin in the world. There are millions of are, you know that we get into on a daily basis, which is why, like I said, something I said that grace does not give us what we deserve. Because if it were to be what we deserve, none of us would be alive. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so so, so I I I I I kind of take it aback a bit when we want to get into the space of perfection with God. Um, that's why I said I see. No, no, I don't think I don't think we're trying to get to perfection. We're just trying to state what is and then what can be. We are aware of the the, yeah, we are aware of the fact that this thing can happen. But what is what is is the fact that this is what is, this is the truth. Should not so now there's what can happen and yeah. then what happens after it happens. Mm. Do you understand? Mm. And that's why I actually just wanted you to clarify the part of, like when I made that statement about grace and all those things, that yeah. it's not the fact that we know that, oh, okay, it can happen, it can keep happening, and keep happening, and keep happening. No, no, it's that, no. Okay, it happened. Okay, so what did you what did do, you do about after, it? after right, it right. happened? Got it, you understand got what it. I'm saying? So yeah, it's not that we're, doing, we're not saying that, oh, there's a leverage now. Okay, everybody, let's... But it's not saying... It's not like we're also saying that, oh, I'm so perfect, I'm 100%. I never came short of anything. That's not what we're saying. We're cool. just saying that there is something that is yeah. that cannot be... We can't change that. There is something True. that is. That is. True. 
true, in the method true. at which we work by if we're Christians. And true. then even if you fall short, it doesn't mean that you should stay there. That's right. what we, that, I think that's where I'm getting at. You don't need to stay there. And there's no, God is not going to keep lavishing. Well, don't let me say God is not good because God is so loving. He's going to keep loving and loving and loving you. But the point is that you can't keep doing what you know. You know, you are, you know, you're, you're convicted. You know that it is a sin. Mm. And then you keep doing it and doing that. Keep mm. saying, uh, uh, I'm grace, grace is covering, grace is covering. Yes, grace is covering you. But I don't think that people think like that, though. To be saying grace is covering uh, you, 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 you'd be surprised. You'd be shocked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I would the story of, 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 of this alleged pastor who was having an affair with, with a church member. And she asked, Don't you feel any guilt? And he, he allegedly said, uh, I'll show a level of grace. Uh, you know, you're like telling me that you don't know that some people get to a point where their conscience is literally seared. All right. The next question, uh, anyway. Basically, has any of you ever cheated? And have you ever been hurt? Yes. But now you people sound like all the best and perfect men. And have you won? No. I'll go and last on this one. Do, do, no, okay, I didn't get, do, I didn't get do, the other part okay. of your question. <laughs> have you ever cheated on a girl before? And have you ever, like, have you ever broken a girl's heart? And what did you do about it? I'll go last. Okay. Hey, well, Broken broken hearts, yes, and um, to be honest, it was unintentional, I must say, because I was in a phase, and it was the phase of when I was in the UK, and I got in contact with uh, an old friend from high school, we started talking, came to Nigeria, went on a trip together, all of that, and then I went back to the UK, and I just realized, okay, what was I doing? And I tried to explain to her that, okay, I'm not, I don't think I was still brooding over past hurts and things. And I didn't think it was the right time to, for her to get into my life. And to be honest, to today, I'm not sure she has forgiven me. But uh, <laughs> I've apologized multiple times. Uh, How is it your, your fault? Sorry? How is it your fault? I, I'm not saying it's my fault. I'm, oh. I just, I, I take responsibility for it. Because I felt like, okay, we got into something. Um, and at that point, it was like, I realized I was just yearning for things. So I was no. getting into this thing. And then I yearned for we got into someone wanting a relationship. I got into a relation, kind of relationship with her. And, and then I got back and I just thought, okay, this is obviously, I still felt the vacuum basically when I got back to the UK. And I just thought, okay, this is not, this is basically me using someone to deal with what okay. I was dealing with rather than, uh, but I tried to explain things to her. Like, it wasn't like I left her for another person. Like I was single for years after the incident. And when it comes to cheating, to be, I always pride myself to be like, yeah, I never did this. I never did that. And, and then it happened. And it actually happened with, obviously it was obviously before I got married, but I was obviously in a relationship and, it was because, again, it came from a place of not cleaning your house before you get into a relationship, and then it comes back to bite you. So where you think that, okay, I've left these things behind, and then a slip happens. So yeah, it, it happened, and it was, it was basically a case of someone that had something to do before, meeting the person I was dating, and then, you know, the flesh came again the need for the flesh came again and then and then things happened and i remember when when um my partner asked me so tell me 
as any of this happened. It came out of the blues, out of nowhere, and I just said yes. Like, literally, I, I was so unprepared that and I was unprepared for the question because it was asked at the very happy time of our relationship that I didn't even, you know, it wasn't like we're having a fight or whatever. And I came out and I came out honest about it. And I think it was good for us, basically. I think it was definitely good. But it was also, um, it was a turning point for me because it was a reminder that I shouldn't be, like, what's the word I'll use? I shouldn't get too familiar, too comfortable. You know, sometimes you're doing something so well, things are happening so good with you, you're overly confident. You think, mm. it's like you're using, how do I put it? You are rubbing the meat on your mouth like this, and you're like, nothing, nothing will happen, you know? <laughs> and, and, and then, no, but seriously, that's the way I think it was. I got too comfortable. I got too confident that things were fine. I've got this covered. I've been celebrating enough. Nothing's going to happen. Yep. And, yep. And, and, and for me, it was, you know, even when I was explaining to her, I was like, it has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with our relationship. It's all me. It's, mm-hmm. Basically, me just, you know, realizing that I shouldn't get too comfortable. I have to start, you know, uh, cutting things off from the beginning. Like, from when you meet someone and they're like, can I have your number? And like, for what? What do you want? You know? Exactly. exactly. I mean, it's, it's actually nibbing it from the, from the beginning. And, and to be honest, it's something I have decided consciously to imbibe into myself and ensure that, you know what, you know, sometimes we will, sorry, again, just to put that up, but we're watching some Nigerian movies on Netflix and then we have my wife who just be like, but she knows she's going to sleep with the guy already. And I look at myself and I'm like, yes. that's it. (laughs) You know, it starts from there. It's the, okay, uh, the comment is made. He says, let's have lunch later on. You know, it's, and you don't need it or you don't discuss it with your partner. Then you feel like you've got it covered. I can handle it. I can handle mm. it. I can handle it until, you know, you fall you into the ditch. You handle it now. It's just My different. <laughs> you know? And a man so, takes fire in his bosom and not be burned. <laughs> yeah. So I think that, that, that has been mm. my experience. Yeah, that's, that's, that's profound, yeah. Um, George, you want to go for it. I'm not giving you the last position. <laughs> my country people, I have a... And it was a shocking experience because I've always seen myself as Mr. Romantic as the guy who can never cheat. And I was with this girl who I was totally crazy about. She uh, she had just come off from a very bad marriage with two kids. And I was supposed to be a stand-up guy. And the girl in question I stayed with, I didn't particularly like. <laughs> Which makes it even more shocking. To make it even more interesting, I think a week before then, this same guy come to my house to cook for her sister or something. I still came from Nigeria. She was a colleague. And mm. so she wanted to, and got an Airbnb or something. She wanted to come to my house. Uh, I was living in Manchester. She was living in a different uh, city to cook for her sister, who was in Manchester. And then she tried to grab me, like Potiphar's wife, just the week before. And I jumped out like Joseph. And I ran out of my house with, with my coat on. And I left the house. And I called my accountability partner. And I'm like, can you imagine what just happened now? And I was feeling so cool like Joseph. That I got this on lockdown, like my brother just said. 
The next week, she calls saying that her sister had just left and she wanted to crash over her mind that she couldn't get a train back to where she was going to, which I found out much later was a lie. It was 10 o'clock and I found that trains run until midnight, much later, after the deal had been done. She comes, we're quite formal. Um, we, at this guest, you know the guest room is, there's food you want to eat and I was doing some work for, um, I was working for Nigeria then. I was wearing a shirt. So she just came to, she was making fun of me, look at your tummy. So I tried to poke my belly. <laughs> I blocked her hand and I couldn't let go. For five seconds, I just held her. She saw what was happening and then embraced me from behind and I lost control. It was like I was, I had a voice screaming in my head, no, no, don't, don't. But I was like a man who was underwater and someone was at the surface calling out to you. I was like, I, did, I, I just lost it until it was all over. And the first thing out of my mouth was, oh my God, what have I done? I just taken a, a vow of celibacy that I got married. I promised myself I wasn't going to have sex that I got married at that point. And not only have I done that, I'd also done this to this girl. The next morning, I picked up the phone and I called her and I told her while the oh, other girl was in the house. Yes, it was a very painful experience. But I, I learned, I, I now understood why Joseph ran. Like uh, uh, my brother just said that <laughs> you nip it in the bud. Joseph yes, knew so. that Potiphar's wife had opened her blouse and one nipple had slipped out. That he would want to run, but his legs would not move. Yes. He knew yes. it. That the blood would drain from his legs. He would be yes. begging. That's why he turned around and ran. You cannot be familiar, my brother. You cannot be familiar. Yeah. We are men. Do not do not give give devil an inch. In this case, you take all of you. <laughs> yes, I I, nah. totally, I totally agree with that. I so I learned that day. I made up my mind that listen, I will not go anywhere. I can't take my wife with me. And if there single, there's any possibility, I won't even go to a place I can't take my wife with me. Period. She has to be with me. If not, I'm not going. I I will not. Uh, God help me. <laughs> Still really married, but God help God help us. <sighs> I'm done. Next question, please. Next question. Did you have, um, what you said about like you, like you called her immediately is something that I actually even want to ask around because there's this question about, okay, when men cheat, should they tell the person or not? And I then you hear many things in you people's conversations that you be like, forget that thing. Tell who, tell who. <laughs> like, no, no, but seriously, my country partner, when I told him, he said, don't tell her. Um, a pastor friend of us said the same thing, and the, the, the pastor they quoted that wisdom profiteth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's a right. I don't think there's a right answer to it. Yeah. Right? I think I think um, it it depends. It depends on your partner. It depends on where you guys are um, in the relationship. It depends on what has happened. It depends because sometimes in my head it's always like it's the truth you should say. Is it the right time? Right? And yeah. then of course, people always say, yeah, it's the truth. You should just say it. In my head, I'm also like, yeah, maybe it's not the perfect time to do that. Okay. Right? It doesn't mean that if the question comes at you, so that's another thing. If the question comes at you, you shouldn't deny. But when to say it, it's up to, you have to use wisdom to know when to say it. You know, it's the same way they say to women, when you need to get something from your husband, you need to mm. find the right time and the right mood and the right everything. You cannot just drop the bump on the person like that, you know? 
So I yeah, I that. that's what I think, though. To, to add to that, right, um, one thing I, I would encourage that at some point, you just have to tell at some point in time. As course, much absolutely. as I know what I experienced, because I've realized that after that experience that nothing can save a man from a woman who's out to get him. Absolutely nothing in this world. If you're relying on wisdom, Solomon had it. He fell. If you're relying on physical strength, Samson had it. He fell. If you're relying on the fact that you love God, David loved God. He fell. The only thing yeah. I've come to realize that can save a man uh, from a woman is, an, is another woman. It's either your mother, your sisters, or your wife. So yeah. she's there to protect you. Because the, yeah. the devil, devil knows how to get us using... I mean, what, what does a man want in life? What's a man's test in life? And the devil will use that woman to get you. Yeah. You'll find and one. And that woman is your, is your protection against all these other forces. Um, which is why women need to understand that, come on. I mean, it, it sounds a bit like we're making excuses. Mm-hmm. But like you said earlier on, right? That women <laughs> will never really fully understand what it means to be a man. You, you, the, the fact that we struggle with some of these things, you could think, what's the big deal? It's like, ah, it's overrated. You, you, you just don't, you, I don't know how to explain it. God wired us that way to see a beautiful woman and be attracted to her to keep the race, the generations going. So um, as much as you never fully understand it, please help your man. Don't use sex to punish him more because if you don't pay my attention, somebody else will. And, and she didn't have self-control. He does have self-control. But make it easier for us, I beg. I beg. We need you. We need you. For the devil wounds also. What did, what did Adam say to God when God said, why did you do this? This is what you gave me. <laughs> the devil will get us. Please help us. Help us. Help us help ourselves. So the, the agreement is that um, you should tell, but you should look for maybe the right time and the and know when the the kind of person you're dealing with is that what you guys are saying, right? Yeah. So I also yes. think, aside from even telling, it's nip, nipping it at the bud at the at the onset. It's mm-hmm. communicating. It's that beat of you can imagine if you know that first incident that happened with you, for example, George, you had shared yeah. that with your partner, she would have told you from a woman's perspective that, ah, you know, because they know, they know themselves the better. They know the tactics, yes. right? Yes. And so she would tell you point blank that this is the motive of this person. And so you basically cannot, you cannot. She warned me. One day I started messaging in the morning. She said, ah, why she messages she messaging in the morning? Like nothing. Just, just, well, you guys can be clueless now. I just think that because I'm a, I'm a cool dude. Like she said, someone that's no now. Nah, we're just colleagues, just colleagues. Did it happen? Which what pained her even more. She warned me. So now I now I know. I, I tell my wife now, right? I need you to tell me. See this guy, I don't like this girl. Don't talk to her. But I also need to know that like, coming from a place of love, not out of insecurity or yeah. jealousy or stuff. Yeah. But I need to trust your instincts. So yeah. my female friends I had before you, you meet every one of them. So I don't like this girl and that went around you. And that then and without question, that girl, that relationship dies there. If I love my soul, my salvation, it ends <laughs> there. But I need to yeah. be able to trust you that it's coming from a place of truth and love. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.